Hebrews chapter number 3 and verse number 13 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called, everybody say today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. And then he reemphasizes verse 15. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Skipping over to Hebrews 13 and 8, the Bible says this. That Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. This is encouraging because everything seems to be changing at a rate in which we cannot keep up. But what the writer is telling us is there's something we can hold to. That we serve an unchanging God in an ever-changing world. I am so thankful that Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I said it the other night, but let me echo it again. Who he was is who he is. And who he is is who he's always going to be. Which is encouraging because if he's ever been a healer, he's still a healer. If he's ever been a savior, he's still a savior. If he's ever been on the throne, he's still on the throne. If he's ever been in control, he's still in control. If he's ever been Lord of all, he's still Lord of all. We serve the same God. But the writer said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It may not make sense in the beginning, but I want to preach to you tonight from this thought on this last night. Two enemies of now. Everybody say now. Two enemies of now. Before you see that, I want you to pray this really long prayer on the last night. Everybody close your eyes. Get ready. I want you to say, Lord, speak to me. Let me hear what you're speaking. And let me respond to what I hear. In Jesus' name. I believe it's that simple. That God's going to speak. We're going to hear it. We're going to respond. And God is going to move and minister like only he can. Does anybody believe that tonight? Would you clap your hands before you're seated? And give Jesus great praise. Hallelujah. We love you. Everything we do, it's all about you, God. Let no flesh glory in your presence. But everything is about you, Jesus. I wonder if you could turn to two people tonight before you see it and say, you look wonderful tonight. We are taught early on in school that our life is categorized in the three tenses. You have yes, you have your past, excuse me, present, and your future. Our life is categorized into these three tenses: the past, the present, and the future. And I have noticed that if we are not careful, we are paralyzed by things we can't change, our past. And we are often crippled by things we can't control, our future. All while missing the miracle in the moment, 
That is the present. I want you to know that even though our life is categorized into these three tenses, the past, the present, and the future, God has uniquely designed us to focus on one, and that is the present. I want you to know tonight, CCC, that it is a trap of the enemy to get you to focus on the wrong tense of your life. It seems subtle at first, but the most obvious tactic that he uses most often is he will use our past against us. Anybody ever been there before? The enemy will try to bind you up and convince you that you cannot do today what God is calling you to do because of something you've done in your past. Some of us, our past looms over our mind and our memory to remind us of who we used to be and where we used to go and what we used to do. We attempt to move on, but the enemy is sly. He will use subtle things to refresh the memories of things we wish so badly we can't forget. He drags us to places that God never meant for us to dwell. And when we succumb to the tactic of the enemy and we allow ourselves and our minds to dwell upon our past, we are met with things such as regret, shame, and condemnation. Because you were not meant to live in the past. I want you to know tonight, church, that the only appropriate response to your past is repentance. While you cannot change your past, you can't change how it affects you today. Trust me, there have been times I wish I could go into the files of my life and there are certain chapters that if I could, I would go back and press delete. If, if I was able, there are certain seasons of my life that if I had the power, I would go back and I would erase them. But the fact of the matter is, I cannot change my past, but I can change how it affects me. And by the way, I do serve a God who can cover my past. This is what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse number 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, I don't want you to fear because I have redeemed you and I have called you by name and you are mine. He said, I don't want you to remember the former things of old. He said, I don't even want you to consider them. And then he says in verse number 25, I, even I, I am the God that will blot out your transgression and for my own sake I will not Remember your sins. Now think about this for just a moment. This is the God of heaven saying this through the prophet Isaiah. How does a God that knows all things not remember our sins? And this is not just in the Old Testament. This is found in the New Testament as well because Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 12 says this. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now it's one thing if I were to tell you. I won't remember your sins because I need my wife to help me remember where my keys are. Amen was a little, little loud and on point right there. I told you I was a mama's boy and so God knew I needed a good wife. So I have a great mom and a great wife now. They helped me find my keys in my wallet. I got so tired of losing my wallet. I got a wallet that you can track from your iPhone. 
But it would be one thing, Pastor Jack, if I said, I will not remember your sins. But when you think about this as the God of the universe who has infinite knowledge, who knows the end from the beginning, for him to say, I will not remember your sins. How is this possible? I'll tell you how this is possible. It's because the mercy of God is greater than the memory of God. And so when he washes you in your blood, even God doesn't remember it. So I'm going to just go ahead and preach how I feel it tonight. Why would you let the enemy trip you up over something that Jesus himself has forgotten about? I want somebody to hear me. If God can forgive you, then you can move on and you can go past it. If Jesus don't remember it, I'm not going to let the enemy hold it against me. I'm telling you, we serve a God that can cover your past. This is what Paul said in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, talking about the past. He says, know ye not. In verse number 9, he said that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. He said, you can't be a thief, you can't covet, you can't be a drunkard, you can't be a reviler, an extortioner. None of those people are, are going to inherit the kingdom of God. Then he brings it home. And he says, and such were some of you. Such was the case with me. And it would be real tragic if that's where the verse ended. But then he inserts something and says, but you have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been justified by, our, by the name of our Lord Jesus. Can I tell you, when you were baptized, you were washed in the name of Jesus. You were sanctified when you received his spirit. And he justified you through his blood. He declared you righteous. I want you to know, we were all in the context of that verse. But we've been washed. But we've been justified. But we've been sanctified. I'm glad we are part of the kingdom where the people that used to be disqualified are now qualified. God is sitting me here on this last night to declare to somebody, it is time for you to stop allowing your past to dictate what you can or cannot do in your present. The enemy does not have the authority, nor does he own your past. I want you to know that belongs to the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody has to make a decision. I refuse to allow the enemy to imprison me over something that the blood of Jesus has washed me from. Paul said it like this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. Somebody lift your hands if you're thankful that you serve that kind of God. Come on. Don't forget where he brought you from. The only appropriate response to your past is repentance. Paul, who authored most of the New Testament, murder-turned-missionary, he would often write things about exactly where we live, talking about the mental state of somebody who's been redeemed. And sometimes it is, sometimes it's a battle. Sometimes you want to you move on because here's the thing. We're taught to forgive and forget. But we don't have a delete button. So, yes, we accept the forgiveness of God, but sometimes it's hard to forget. 
It's hard to forget what we've done. It's hard to forget what we said. It's hard to forget where we went. And so we wrestle and we're in this dilemma because the voice of destiny starts speaking. And most of the time when the voice of destiny starts speaking in one ear, the voice of the enemy comes in the other ear and says, you know who you used to be. You know what you used to do. But I want you to take Philippians chapter 3. And I want you to get it in your spirit because I know the apostle Paul felt this way. But this is what he says in verse number 13. He said, brethren, I have not count myself to have apprehended. He said, I'm not saying that I've got it all figured out. I've not, I've not arrived at the place of perfection. But there's one thing I do. I'm not saying that I've got all the answers Paul said. But he said, here's one thing I've done. I forget those things which are behind. What are you doing? I'm letting the enemy know. I know that is who I used to be. But by the blood of Jesus, I'm not that anymore. And because of that, I'm going to press toward the mark of the high calling. I'm telling somebody, you need to say goodbye. And you need to move forward to the future and the anointing that Jesus has for you. Somebody needs to make a decision. Tonight is the last night that you sit in a prison cell where the door has been opened. That's, that, that's essentially what we are doing when we allow our past to imprison us. We're sitting in a cell that the door's been opened. It's been unlocked. You're free to go whenever you want. You just got to make up your mind. I will not be held hostage by things that I have repented over, things that God has forgiven me of. I'm going to move on. The first enemy of now is your past. But I, I believe tonight in the name of Jesus that there's going to be a group of people that make a decision. Tonight is the last night. I'm forgetting those things which are behind me. And I'm going to press. I'm going to press. I'm going to press the war the mark, the prize of the high calling. I want you to know you do not have to be bound by your past. Jesus has given you an answer to that enemy and that is repentance. Sometimes I'm not really sure if we grasp the power of repentance. And here's why the enemy fights you so bad with your past because he has no answer for repentance. It doesn't compute with his mind that you can make the worst mistake of your life and bring yourself to an altar and say, Jesus, I truly am sorry, and I want to turn and go the other way. It doesn't make sense to the enemy that it's really that simple. Mercy messes with the mind of the enemy because he has no answer for it. And I don't know why. There have been so many times in my life I thought for sure that Jesus was done for me, was done with me. But I've learned I would run to the foot of the cross and I would genuinely plead that God would forgive me. And he was so faithful and just to forgive me. That's why the enemy fights you so bad is because he, he doesn't have an answer for it. He believes that you should get the same treatment that he got. But you are the apple of God's eye. You are his prized creation. He loves you. The God that knows you the best loves you the most. The God that knows every secret. The God that knows about every skeleton in the closet. The God that knows about every mistake. He loves you. Somebody hear me tonight. He loves you. You cannot be trapped by your past. And while I could spend the next... 20 minutes or so in the rest of this message preaching about a God that will forgive you of your past. I've learned that people are not only bound by their past, but they're also bound 
by the future. You see, the first enemy of now is the past. The second enemy of now is the future. Because here's what I've learned. When we mentally, mentally allow ourselves to live in the past, we wrestle with regret. But when we try to go into the future where God did not design us to go, we wrestle with worry. These two tenses bring different feelings, but they're both wrong. The answer for the past is repentance. But the answer for the future is trust. Somebody hear me tonight. You have to learn to trust God with tomorrow. We can plan for the future, and we should. We can prepare for the future, and we should. But mentally, we cannot live there. And the reason we feel overwhelmed when we begin to consider and think about and dwell on the future is because God did not design us to be there. I want you to know the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 25, Thy shoes shall be as iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. God promises strength for each day. Nothing more and nothing less. Never more than what you need, but never less than what you need. Not for your past, but not for your future, but for your present. He said, I'm giving you strength for the present. This is how Jesus said it in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. And we love this verse, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. But he does not stop there. He goes on the verse 34 and says this, take therefore. In other words, if you have enough faith to seek him first for the kingdom, knowing that he's going to add everything you need to your life, take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow will take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. I'm going to break that down in our vernacular. You got enough to worry about today to try to worry about today and tomorrow. So Jesus said, I want you to know something. You need to seek me, and then you need to trust me, and don't worry about tomorrow. I know it sounds cliche, but it rings true tonight. That we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we do know who holds tomorrow. And I'm preaching to someone tonight. If you can trust a God that can redeem your past, then you have to trust him to secure your future. Jesus said, take no thought. That word in the Greek is marinamo. It literally means, that word is anxiety or worry. It literally means to be pulled apart in many directions. Anybody ever felt like you were there mentally? You're just being pulled apart. Why? Because we want to figure it out. Because there's something about humans we like control. We're not satisfied with God to give us a what. We want a How? How are my kids going to be saved? How is my marriage going to work? How are we going to make it through 2023? How are we going to make it through this culture? How, how, how? And God is saying, you just have to trust me. Take no thought. Don't be anxious about it. But trust me. Jesus will go on to say in Matthew 6, 27. Which of you, by taking any thought, same word, can add any cubit to your stature? In other words, what can you change about your life by worrying about it? What can you change? Nothing. One writer says it like this, worrying about tomorrow doesn't help tomorrow or today. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6, be careful. Same Greek word as take no thought. Mary Namo, be careful. Don't worry about nothing. 
But in everything by prayer and supplication, here it is, with thanksgiving. Let, he said, with thanksgiving, he said, let your prayer and supplication be made known unto God. Why is this so important? Because it aligns your perspective. He said, I'm not going to worry about anything, but I'm going to go to God in prayer with thanksgiving. What is thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is letting him know, I trust you. I thank you. You've never failed me yet. And I don't believe you're going to start tonight. Here's what Thanksgiving is. God, I don't know how this is going to work out. God, I'm not real sure how the pieces are going to come together. But I thank you, God, because when I look back over my life, I can truly say you have never let me down. And the reason this is so powerful it's because the next verse says this, and the peace of God. You see, peace and control cannot coexist. You can have one or the other. You can't control God and have the peace of God. But if you can give him control, he'll give you peace. Because you can say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I can trust him. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know I can trust him. I don't know how my family's going to be saved, but I know I can trust God. Ken, here's what it means, the peace of God that passes all understanding. Here's what that means. You can have peace when you don't understand how. When it doesn't make sense that the people of God can have peace, God can baptize us with peace. When the whole world is coming unraveled and everything seems to be going crazy, the people of God can have peace. Why? Because we trust him. I want everybody to lift your hands. So it's the will of God that every person in this room be able to sleep at night. It's the will of God that every person in this room would experience the peace of God. It is the will of God. I'm telling you right now in the name of Jesus, I speak peace over this congregation. I speak peace over every family. I speak peace over every young person. The enemy is a liar, and we're taking it back tonight in the name of Jesus. Somebody lift up your voice. Peace, peace, peace. It's God's will for us. The answer for the past is repentance. And the answer for the future is trust. There are two enemies to now. The first is the past. The second is the future. I want somebody to know that God is in control. He's in control of the past. And he's in control of the future. But there is one tense of our life that God allows us to be able to affect, and that is the present. Nothing can be done yesterday, and nothing can be done tomorrow. But today, the opportunities are endless. And here is what is so unique and powerful about the present, is that decisions you make in the present have the power to go back and change your past, and have the power to go forward and change your future. One pr I believe one prayer 
can change somebody's life. One prayer of repentance. It can get you in alignment with God. You can make a decision today to be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and your name be written in the Lamb's book of life. All that happens in the present. But here's what stirs me tonight. And here's why I felt to preach upon this message for this last night. There are young men and young women in this room, and I know this is not just for the young people, but this is everybody. God has anointed you for a purpose in his kingdom. But the issue is you view your calling as something that's coming and not something that is here. Here's why the future is so exciting. It's because it gets you off the hook of doing anything now. I know, I know God's called me to preach, but I haven't preached yet, so I don't have to be consecrated now. I know I'm not married yet, so I don't have to protect my morals now. I know I'm not leading or leading worship, or I know I'm not on the lead team, so I don't have to be so committed now. And if you're not careful, you can slip into this mentality, the when and then mentality. When I start preaching, then I'll get serious. When I get married, then I'll have my morals right. When I become a leader, then I'll make sure that I'm living a righteous life. And then if you're not careful, you will put it off. Because it's easy to talk about a calling that's not yet here. Because it negates the current responsibility. But when you realize you're calling from God, it's not something that's in the future. I've come to tell you is God is trying to call you now. God wants you to pray now. God wants you to get it right now. God wants you to worship now. I want you to know the most important church service of your life is the one you're in now. But can I ask every young person a question in this room? What are you waiting for? I've read the Bible many times, and I don't find an age requirement for the anointing of God. I don't find levels to the Holy Ghost. I don't find a junior spirit and then a senior spirit and then an elder spirit. I want you to know the answer for your past is repentance. And the answer for your future is trust. But the answer for the present is action. God is calling us to act now. To do something now. But here is our dilemma. We live, and I'm not trying to be mean, but I know what I feel in the spirit. We live with good intentions. But God doesn't bless intentions. And I'm not trying to be mean, but hear me. There's going to be a lot of people eternally lost that intended to pray. And intended to get it right. And intended to go to the altar. But God does not bless intentions. God blesses action. This is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse number 1. We then as workers together with him beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he said, I have heard thee in the time accepted. And in the day of salvation I have secured thee. Behold, what is it? Now. What is the accepted time? What is the best time? He said, now is the accepted time, and behold, now is the day of salvation. And what makes it so powerful is no matter when you read it, it's relevant. 
When they read it in 1990, now was 1990. When they read it in 2005, now was 2005. But for us, it's February of 2023. What's the day of salvation? Now. What's the best time to pray? Now. What's the best time to get right with God? Now. What's the best time to go after your calling? I wish somebody would stand up and say, I'm not waiting any longer. I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. I'm telling somebody, you don't have to wait. You can get a miracle now. You can get a touch now. Come on, does anybody have now faith? Now faith. Now faith. Be seated for just a moment. I feel a pull from the Spirit to a generation of young people. You're not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of now. God wants to use you now. You know what the book of Acts is? It's ordinary people who received the Spirit of God and they started doing something with it. They didn't have time to get formal training. They, yeah, they made mistakes. They didn't always get it right. But they had a passion. And they said, you know what? God did not fill us with the spirit for us to sit in the upper room and talk about what we're going to do. So immediately when they received the spirit of God, they busted out of the upper room. Everybody thought they was crazy. But they said, oh, no, this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And you know what happened when 120 started doing something about it? It turned into 3,000. And then start growing. It started multiplying. It started going into Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. Why? Because ordinary people decided to do something with what God had given them. It's not the will of God that we sit on what God has given us. I wasn't going to preach on this, but I feel it right now. There are people in this city and there are people in your city who are dying and they're hurting and they're broken and they're suicidal. And you know what they need? They need somebody with the spirit of God to do something and to tell them about Jesus and to share your testimony. That's all God is looking for. That's why it's called the acts of the apostles, not the intentions of the apostles. They did something. They did something. When Paul got the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, straightway he began to preach Christ. He didn't know everything, which, you know, he was very scholar in the Bible, so he knew a lot more than me. I remember when I first got into church, I thought the book of Job was the book of Job. Like, I thought that's where unemployed people went to read. God was so kind. He didn't want nobody not having a job, you know. I was the guy when we played sword drill, they made up books of the Bible, and I would spend 10 minutes looking for it. Don't do that to new people. That doesn't feel good. But I knew nothing. But here's what I did know. That God did not save me for me to sit there and do nothing. So I couldn't explain all of Revelation. I got the books of the Bible confused. But you know what I did? I went to my pastor. And I said, hey, can I use the church van? I've been bringing people to church and my car's full. And I need to use a 15-passenger van. Why? Because I went out into the city. And I just began to tell people about what God had done for me. I didn't know all the stories. All I knew is when Jesus did something, I had to respond. 
I'm challenging a young man. Start praying now. Young lady, start believing now. Now, 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 now. God wants to use you now. God wants to anoint you now. God wants to speak to you now. We don't have time to wait. People are dying. People are committing suicide. People are broken. We cannot just sit in circles of comfort and talk about what we're going to do one day. That's, that's the allure of the future. God, one day I'm going to do it. But I'm telling you there's a God who's calling for somebody to do it now. When God told Moses, you go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses said, God, I'm not qualified. And who do I say sent me? He said, here's what I want you to know. You tell him the I am that I am has sent you. Moses, I want you to understand something about God. I am not the I was God, and I am not the I will be God. I am the I am God. I am a present tense God that's when the Bible says now faith now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen God wants you to do something now the Bible says it like this stand with me in Ephesians chapter 5 that we should redeem the time because the days are evil. I want to challenge somebody. If you've been thinking about taking the plunge and stepping out and doing something for God, the time is now. If you've been thinking about taking your commitment to the next level, the time is now, young person. If you've been thinking about going to your leadership because God has been dealing with you, I'm telling you the time is now. God is raising up an army. You're not going to be perfect, no, but you're just saying, God, I'm available, and in me is this insatiable desire to do something. When I went to my pastor, there was a lot of rough edges he had to knock off. Thank God for a great pastor who helped me. I was radical. I was zealous, but I just, I wanted to do something. I just couldn't fathom that God would manifest himself in the flesh and die for me. For me to sit on a pew somewhere and just hope I make it to the rapture or to the grave and I'm still saved. I just refuse to believe God will go through all of that trouble for me to just sit idly by and do nothing. So I just decided I'll figure it out as I go. But I've got to do something to reach somebody and make a difference in this world. And I feel that pull from God tonight where he's saying, hear me. You're not waiting on him. He's waiting on you. He's ready. He's ready. He's ready for you. I'm telling you, it is the, it is the, the good pleasure of God to use you for his glory. He's ready. 
You don't have to wait till you're 40. Listen to me, young people. You don't have to wait till you're 40 years old. You have to wait till you're 50 years old. You don't have to wait till you're married. I'm telling you, God wants to do something in your life right now. Tucked, tucked in between the prayer meeting and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost is this scripture. We read it the other night in Acts chapter 2. Shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men are going to have visions, and old men are going to dream dreams. There was a day, this was prophetic, and it was in the future tense. We now live in the fulfillment of that verse. It's not coming. It's here. It's here. It's available. I'm telling you, if you want it, you can have it. You can have it right now. To two enemies. The two enemies of now are the past and the future. But if you can remember this, God's given you an answer for your past. I want the musicians to come. And that is repentance. And God's given you an answer for your future. And that is trust. But God's asking, is there anybody who will do something about right now? Here's what I believe. If you're in this room and we've, we've spoke a lot about it, we've sang about it. If you need a miracle, you know when I believe God can do it? I don't believe we have to wait until next Sunday. I don't believe we have to wait until next. I believe God can do it. You know when the best time to worship is? You know when the best time to pray is? You know when the best time to praise God is? You know when the best time to take that step of faith is? You know when the best time to get your relationship with God right is? Why wait? You can have it. Is there anybody that says, I want it? Come on, let's give him some praise in this room. Here's what I want to do. If you can indulge me for just a moment. If you're a high bent or a student or a young person in this room, I want you to come. If you're an adult, I want you to stay where you're at. We're going to need you in just a moment. I'm telling you, I feel something so strong. God's willing to release this army now to equip you and to use you and to empower you. God will speak to you through dreams now. God will give you visions now. God will use you in the gifts of the Spirit now. I don't find any age requirement for it anywhere in the Bible. But if you will consecrate yourself and give yourself wholly to Him, He will do it. I'm telling you. Come on, press in close. I want all the young people to press in close, close, close. Hurry, hurry, come. On this last night of Remnant Youth Conference. Now here's where I need your help. Come on, you guys press in close. If you're an adult in this room, a parent, whomever you may be, even if you don't have children up here, if you are able, I want you to file in behind them. There's about to be something that is deposited and imparted 
to the young people of this region. Come on, can you help me? Prayer warriors, those of you that have stood the test of time. Are there any of you in the altar that you want God to use you more than anything in this world? Does anybody believe you can have it right now? That God can start the process now. That Justin, you don't have to wait. You can have it now. Everything you've dreamed about, every promise you've been given since you were a young child, it can happen now. 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 I'm telling you, I feel, I feel the urgency of the Spirit pulling somebody. Don't wait. I want you to lift up your hands. Parents, adults, I want you to stretch your hands this way. If you feel led to in a moment, work your way through the crowd. We're going to pray. But young people, I want you to hear me. Lift your hands. I'm going to pray. And when I say in the name of Jesus, I want you to shout hallelujah to the top of your lungs. And then I want you to give God the most desperate worship you have ever given him in all of your life where you show him, I want this more than the person next to me. I want this more than the person beside me. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I release right now the gifts of the Spirit to be at work. Let there be ministry. Let there be callings. Let there be a hunger that would baptize this room. Let there be an urgency, God. You have called them. You have chosen them. You have anointed them for such a time as this. But I pray right now, God, they would not put it off, but they would go after it now. In the name of Jesus, shout hallelujah. Now go after it. Now, 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 now.
come on, this is a now generation. This is a now generation. We want anointing now. We want power now. We want authority now. We're going to go after it. We're going to go after it. We're going to go after it now. Now.